we turn to the book of Judges. I'm going to be in Judges chapter 13 through 17. You can try to follow along in your Bibles, although I'm going to be telling a lot of the story of, of Samson um, without reading all of the texts, because um, it is several chapters. You probably remember the story of Samson a little bit from Sunday school. He's probably the best remembered of the Judges. But today we're going to give you the whole PG-13 version of the Samson story. Uh, Samson is not really the hero that you remember from Sunday school. He's a very flawed and uh, imperfect person that God chooses to use anyway. And we're going to try to learn a little something from his story today. The story begins that Israel is doing evil in the sight of the Lord. And so God gives them over to the hand of a people called the Philistines. And for 40 years, the, the Philistines basically rule over them, bully them, and dictate how they're going to live their lives. A man named Manoah and his wife uh, couldn't have children. But God calls on this, this couple and says, no, you're going to bear a son. And this son is going to be special. He's going to take the Nazarite vow. That would mean that he could not have any wine or strong drink. He could not eat anything unclean. And he would never shave his head. And so he would just let his hair grow his entire life. And they are promised that he would begin to save the Israelites from the hand of the Philistines. So they have a son. They name him Samson. Samson comes from the word for the sun in the sky. As Samson grew, the text says the Lord blessed him. And chapter 13 ends by telling us that the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. That God started working in his life. The story picks up then in chapter 14 with Samson as an adult. He sees a Philistine girl and decides he wants to marry this girl. So he goes and he tells his parents, this is the woman I would like to marry. Would you set it up for me? And they, of course, would rather him marry a good Jewish girl. They try to talk him out of it. Uh, But he won't do it. The text says uh, that uh, they don't understand that the Lord is behind this. That Samson is looking for a reason to start messing with the Philistines. Um, The text says Samson was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. So they go down to arrange the marriage, and apparently they go on ahead of Samson, and Samson's traveling along, and a lion comes out and comes towards Samson, roaring. Verse 6 says, Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion to pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. So the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, even though it's a lion, he just rips the lion to pieces. He's got this amazing strength. He goes and he meets the Philistine girl, and the text says she's right in his eyes. A few days later, he comes back to marry her. And while he's traveling down the road, he sees where he's killed this lion, sees that there's the carcass there, and that a swarm of bees have moved into that carcass, and there's now honey where this lion, from inside of this lion. So he stops, picks up some of the honeycomb, and eats it on his way and gives it to his parents. Now actually, as a Nazarite, he should not have done that. He should not be eating something that comes from a carcass, but he does so nonetheless. So Samson prepares this feast for his wedding, 
And the Philistines gathered 30 men to be with him in his preparation. I, I, it seems like this is part of their kind of wedding party, uh, the way we kind of do a wedding party. They get 30 men to sort of be with Samson in his preparation. So Samson bets them, puts a little bet together with them. He says, I'll tell you a riddle, and if you can figure it out in seven days, then I'll give each of you a linen garment and a change of clothes. But if you can't figure out my riddle, each of you has to give me the clothing to, go on, to, uh, to pay up your bet. So they agree. And here's the riddle he uses. Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Well, he's referring to the lion, right? The lion that has a honeycomb in it now. But they don't know that. So, of course, they're not... Get- How many of you think you could guess that riddle? There's no way. He's tricked them. They're never going to get that riddle. So for three days, they work on the riddle. They think about it. They don't really want to have to pay this, this Israelite dude. So then finally, they're not getting anywhere. So they go to Samson's new wife. And we pick up the story in chapter 14, verse 15. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband to tell us what the riddle is lest we burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us here to impoverish us? And Samson's wife wife wept over him and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You have put a riddle to my people and have not told me what it is. And he said to her, Behold, I have not told my father nor my mother. And shall I tell you? So she wept before him the seven days that the feast lasted. And on the seventh day, he told her because she pressed him hard. Great description of nagging right there. She pressed him hard. Then she told the riddle to her people. And the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? See, they know it because she told them. Otherwise, they would never have figured it out. And he said to them, he answers them with another riddle. If you had not plowed my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. Great way to talk about your new wife, right? Uh, The one who just betrayed you. If you hadn't worked over my wife and threatened my wife, you wouldn't know what it is. So his wife gets the answer. She has to, and he has to pay up the debt. So the text says that the spirit of the Lord rushes on him. He goes down to Eshkelon, a city, a Philistine city there, and he kills 30 Philistines, takes their garments and gives it as the payment. Okay, so what he's trying to do is stir up trouble with the Philistines, and he's doing a really good job. Okay, he goes and he pays for this debt, for this bet that he made by killing these other Philistines. Now the Philistines are ticked off. Samson's father-in-law assumed that Samson was angry with his wife. So he gives Samson's wife to one of the other Philistines who had been in the wedding party. So a few days later, Samson apparently gets out of town, comes back then to see his wife. And he's told that she's been given to someone else. Right? You did not hear all this in Sunday school, did you? No. Okay. So. Samson's angry, but he decides instead of attacking the Philistines directly to really mess with them as a people. So he takes his time. He catches 300 foxes, 
Okay, he goes out and catches all these foxes. He takes every fox and ties it to another fox. So he ties the tails together. So when they go to run, they're running opposite each other. They're getting caught on stuff between them. And then he ties a torch in between those tails. And he lights the, the torch so that these fox now run from the fire that's tied between them. And they're, they're, they can't really get very far, right? And he lets them go in the standing grain of the Philistines and also in the, in the already harvested grain of the Philistines. Also, they end up wandering into the olive, um, the olive fields. And so the Philistines are devastated. Their, um, uh, their stuff is ruined. Their food is gone. Now, you know what actually really ticked him off the most was the Philistines. Uh, well, I'm getting there. Hold on. Um, you understand what he's doing. He's really stirring up trouble. He has made the Hatfields and the McCoys. Are you, are you familiar with the Hatfields and the McCoys from history? These two families that just have this bitter fight. Okay. Israel has been laying down to the Philistines forever. For 40 years, the, the Israelites have just laid down to the Philistines. And now he's getting things fired up. So the Philistines come to Judah now and do a raid on a place called Lehi. Okay, so the Philistines don't just take it out of Samson. Now they're going to go, and they're going to go attack Israel. And the men of Judah get nervous, right? Israel doesn't want to fight the Philistines. Samson does. So there's this, there's this little raid that happens, but the Israelites are nervous. And so they send 3,000 Israelites to go and capture Samson, who's now hiding out. He's now kind of disappeared, but they know where he is. Samson agrees to go quietly if the Israelites will not attack him. So they agree, and he lets him bind them with new, two new ropes and lead them to the Philistines. So imagine the scene. Samson's been causing all this trouble. The Philistines are really angry, so angry that they've done a raid into Israel. Okay? 3,000 men of Judah have brought Samson to the Philistines and the Philistines are now yelling and taunting Samson suddenly the text says in chapter 15 verses 14 and following when he came to Lehi the Philistines came shouting to meet him then the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire and his bonds melted off his hands And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. And he put out his hand and took it. And with it he struck 1,000 men. And Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, have I struck down 1,000 men. Let me explain the uh, jawbone of a donkey here. Okay, this isn't a donkey. Okay, shark teeth, anybody know what it is? Huh? It's a bear. It's a black bear skull. Okay? Black bear skull. And uh, let me just show you the jaw piece here. Okay? So when he takes a jawbone, probably he just takes half of this. So imagine one side of it. Um, and it, it's a, it would be a donkey, not a bear. So some of these sharp teeth at the bottom wouldn't be there. It would just be these back teeth. There'd be a nice smooth area right here for Samson to grab and use it like a club. Also, remember, a donkey's is going to be bigger. So it's going to be this long. It's going to have a pointy end. That he could, we don't know if he uses it this way or if he turns it and uses it that way, kind of a reverse hockey stick. 
but it's actually a pretty effective weapon that Samson uses to tear down 1,000 Philistines because the Spirit of the Lord rushes upon him. This victory pushes the Philistines back. The text tells us that Samson judges Israel. Israel doesn't have a king at this time. So he steps up and he rules over and he, and he judges the cases of Israel for 20 years. We don't know how much or how he judges. We, we don't get a lot of the stories after that. But we know that he takes this leadership role and we know how his story ends. Judges 16 tells us that he has kind of an affinity for bad women. Uh, There's one bad woman, and then he meets this woman named Delilah. So he falls in love with Delilah. But the lords of the Philistines offer her lots of silver to find out where his great strength lies. So Delilah goes to work. She asks him where his great strength comes from. Samson, how are you so strong? Samson lies to her. Tells her that if they bind him with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, his strength would leave him. So Delilah tries it. She wraps the bowstrings around him while he's asleep. And she says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And Samson gets up and just rips those ropes right off like nothing. Okay? He lied to her. And now she knows it. So she's upset. This time, Samson tells her that it must be new ropes that have not been used. But we know that's not true. Because if you remember the story, the men of Judah tied him with new ropes. And when he got to the city with the Philistines, he ripped them right off. So we know he's lying again. It doesn't work. She tries it. It doesn't work. She asks him again. And Samson just can't seem to get it. He's had one woman, right, betray his trust related to the, uh, the riddle. And now he's got this other woman really trying to get at him for, uh, for the information about his strength. He tells her that when seven locks, the seven locks of hair on his head were, were, were put as a web and fastened in tight with a pin, then he would lose his strength. But again, he's lying. It's not true. But he's getting closer to the truth, right? So we pick up in chapter 16, verse 15. And she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him. His soul was vexed to death. Right? The second most poetic way of talking about nagging I have ever heard. Okay? She vexes his soul to death day after day after day about this. And finally, he told her all his heart and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. And my head is, if my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Finally, she's relentless. He gives in. He tells her the truth. At least the truth as he understands it to be. And so she gets the Philistines, the lords of the Philistines together. She does it and it causes problems. She cuts off his hair in his sleep. And here's the passage starting in verse 20. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. 
But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. (coughs) But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Right, this was not in your Sunday school lesson, right? Right? Um, They gouge out his eyes. They take it, they capture him, they, 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 the, the word there in the Hebrew probably means burnout. Probably burn out his eyes. And so he's weak, he's got a shaved head, he's got no eyes, and he's in prison. But the text hints that the story is not over. His hair is beginning to grow back. So sometimes, sometime later, the lords of the Philistines get together for a huge celebration of worship to their God. And they are partying all out. Why? Because their God delivered their enemy Samson into their hand. And because they're celebrating, because they're so overly confident, they decide to bring Samson to the party. So they bring him and force him to entertain and they taunt him and they tease him. and They bring him down in this, in this building, this large building that has these two pillars that hold it up. The text tells us there's 3,000 people on the roof of this thing. It's this huge building, these two huge pillars holding it up. And all the lords of the Philistines, all the most important people of the Philistines are there. So Samson asks the servant to feel those pillars that he's near. He knows he's near these two pillars. Apparently he can reach them both. And Samson prays. For the first time that we know of in his life, he prays. O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. He grabs the pillar and he leans on them. And he says, let me die with the Philistines. And then in an amazingly poetic move, he bows. And when he bows, he brings those pillars down and he brings the whole building down. And 3,000 people fall. The text tells us that the dead who he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Samson got his revenge. And he actually died striking his biggest blow to the Philistines of his life. And God did as he said. As this blow starts to be the downfall of the Philistines for a time. This is not really the the story you remember from Sunday school, right? Right? Uh, How many of you remember flannel graphs? Where you had this flannel thing and the little flannel characters you used to put on to tell the story. Right? A lot of this story didn't make it in the flannel graph. Okay? This is not one that's often um, read in its completion. In fact, I don't think Samson's a very good example for us. He's violent, motivated by revenge. He's a troublemaker. He's attracted to the wrong kind of girls. Listen, the point of this sermon is not that you should be more like Samson. Okay? Don't use this as a sermon to say, I'm going to be more like Samson. Yeah, he's strong, but he is deeply, deeply flawed. And so I don't think Samson should be an example for us, but I do think there's a lot for us to learn in the story of Samson. First of all, there's a misconception that Samson has, and I think that we have when we read the story. Samson, when when he goes to describe to Delilah where his strength comes from, what does he say? It's my hair. It's my Nazarite vow. But is that the truth? 
Actually, in the Bible, when, when every, in a couple of these big incidences, what does the text say? That the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. His hair is not the, his hair is not the source of his strength. His hair is a symbol. It's a symbol of his anointing from God. His special place that God has called him to. He's anointed. Has he really even followed his vows? We know he ate honey out of a, out of a lion. He's a murderer. Uh, he's been with women. It, it, has he really been that holy of a guy? I mean, does he really have a, a leg to stand on there? That he's such a great Nazarite. No, he's broken those vows a bunch of times. It's not his hair. He's strung because he's anointed by God. And when he tells Delilah it's his hair, he's not understanding. See, there are two razors that really cut the strength of Samson. His pride and his self-reliance. His pride and his self-reliance. He thinks it's all about him. He's arrogant about what he can do. And in the end, his strength is cut down. But honestly, we do the same thing. Maybe we don't think our strength comes from our hair. Maybe it's not our good looks or our charm. But, but I know plenty of people for whom they think that's their strength. That when, when they get to where they, they feel weak, they feel unstable, when they want to feel important, they dress up. They do their hair and they feel good about themselves based on their appearance. But maybe, maybe it's not our look. I think most of the time it's not our looks. Maybe it's our work ethic. Maybe it's our social network. Maybe it's our net worth. Maybe it's our good behavior. Whenever we try to find our strength, whenever we try to be important or special or lovable, these are the things we turn to, to say that those are our sources of strength. But I want to tell you today that just like Samson's wrong, we're wrong too. That our real source of strength is that we are anointed by God. That we are called by God to be a holy and saved and set apart people. And if you get it confused where your strength really comes from, you're going to become proud and you're going to become self-reliant. And you know what? You're not going to know what to do when you lose those things that you put your trust in instead of God. You're not going to know in those moments what you're going to do because you're going to be at a total loss. Actually, God often lets us lose those things that we put our trust in so that we're forced to rely on God for our trust. It's, it's, in, God's, it's in our best interest that God does that to us. Take away the things we're trusting instead of him so that we get to where we're actually seeing him as our source of trust, of strength. How does Samson get his strength back? It's not just that his hair grows back. Okay, that's a symbol. It says faith grows back. Okay, what does Samson do? He prays and he bows, right? He finally prays to God and asks for strength that he thought was his in the first place. And in, in his last act, he bows. He humbles himself. And it is in his bowing and in his praying that God delivers this blow to the Philistines. And so Samson stands as a warning to us about remembering where our strength truly lies. But, but I think this story should also be encouraging for us. We should be encouraged that God would use such a lousy guy to do his will, right? God uses this very imperfect, very flawed Samson to pull off what he wants to accomplish in rising up Israel against the Philistines. 
He weakens the Philistines by this man. In fact, in fact, God uses Samson's very flaws to do so. Okay? God wants to stir up trouble with the Philistines. He rises up. What does he bring up? A troublemaker. Okay? He wants to start a fight. He brings up a guy that starts fights. He uses his flaws. You understand that? He doesn't, he doesn't just use, use Samson despite his flaws. He uses his flaws. And that should be very encouraging to you and I. Because aren't you and I kind of flawed? Don't we have our mistakes and our flaws and our blind spots and our weaknesses? And yet, if God can use Samson, he can sure use you. And in fact, God can sometimes use you, not just in spite of your weaknesses, but because and directly through your flaws and your weaknesses. Heck, Samson's greatest victory happens because of his arrogance. Okay? His greatest victory happens because of the mistakes that he makes. And God takes those mistakes and wraps them into his plan and brings good out of them anyway. God can bring good out of you anyway. Your mistakes, your flaws, your weaknesses. God uses the deeply flawed. Samson's not a great example for us, but he has a lot to teach us. And his flaws, just like every other character in the Bible, their flaws should point us to the one character in the Bible that has no flaws, Jesus Christ. Jesus died and rose again so that he could be your strength. He became weak so that you could become strong. You can trust him. I don't know what you've been trusting. I don't know what your hair has been. I don't know what things you've been relying on instead of Jesus. But your best bet is to trust Jesus with everything you got. To pray, to bow, to humble yourself. And God will honor that and God will work through you even in your flaws. Because you are anointed and you are holy and you are called by God to do important things in this world. Let God do those things in you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the story of Samson, as odd as it might be. Thank you for speaking through it. Lord, work in us, despite our strength, our weaknesses, despite the fact that we rely on so many other things, humble us that we may rely on you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing hymn number 99, When Morning Gilds the Skies.